People will come, Ray. They'll come to Iowa for reasons they can't even fathom. They'll turn up your driveway, not knowing for sure why they're doing it. They'll arrive at your door as innocent as children, longing for the past. Of course, we won't mind if you look around, you'll say. It's only $20 per person. They'll pass over the money without even thinking about it. Where there's money they have and peace they like. Ray, just sign the papers. And they'll walk out to the bleachers. Sit in shirt sleeves on a perfect afternoon. They'll find they have reserved seats somewhere along one of the baselines. Where they sat when they were children and cheered their heroes. And they'll watch the game. And it'll be as if they dipped themselves in magic waters. The memories will be so thick, they'll have to brush them away from their faces. Ray, when the bank opens in the morning, they'll foreclose. People will come, Ray. You're broke, Ray. You sell now or you lose everything. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It's been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But baseball has marked the time. This field, this game, is a part of our past, Ray. It reminds us of all that once was good, and it could be again. Oh, people will come, Ray. People will most definitely come. Ain't nobody I mean, I've always kind of believed in aliens. I don't know if I believe in flying saucers. Ain't nobody gonna rip like you might as well just walk up to Cupid while he's on his lunch break, you know, crank his heat or something, punch yeah. him right in the face, punch some little baby right in. <laughs> we'll see that. We're almost uh, three minutes into our sports podcast, and yet to bring up not one sport. Roll out, Come on, You over there? You over there? All right, boys and girls, baseball is back. Baseball is back, so we have to have a Hot Grits episode for you guys. Uh, Travis Jadon here, Mike Anthony joining me over the phone to celebrate as we record here Thursday night, March 10th, celebrating the return of baseball. Mike, you're in your element tonight, I know. Oh, yeah. Love, uh, love at least having the promise of baseball sometime in the next month. Yeah, which is better than what we thought, you know, a few days ago. Spencer and I were talking, Mike, um, on the last episode of HGP. We were talking about, like, over, under, or before or after April 30th. And both of us said after. So we were pessimists from the beginning. Did you think that, like, are you, were you surprised when when this agreement was reached on Thursday afternoon and the owners ratified it? Did you think it was going to be longer? Honestly, from what I've heard from what's been breaking the last you know, 12 hours or so, I'm amazed that they're still uh, uh, signing up for a 162-game season. What mm-hmm. I had said all along was I thought this was going to a lockout. I thought that it was going to get resolved at some point. There was going to be a lot of bickering. We definitely saw all of that in the last two or three weeks. I had thought all along that it was going to be about a 140-game season, but it seems that if 
everything we're reading right now is true, we're going to get the full 162. That might have uh, some extra double headers crammed in there somewhere. I know they don't want to go too deep into uh, October or November, but you know, it seems like we're going to have, for better or worse, full season. Yeah, look, by the time people listen to this, they'll have seen the changes for 2022 and what's implemented. But just to be clear, April 7th, opening day, full 162-game schedule, um, universal DH uh, in all – so all of baseball. And then coming in 2023, a bunch more changes, including bigger bases, um, you know, banning of the shift. Uh, there'll be a balanced schedule where every team will play – every other team at least one time. Um, so we'll talk about the 2023 changes, maybe if we get time um, at the end, but let's stick to 2022 right now. Uh, it, so Braves fans opening day, April 7th, four game set with Cincinnati. Um, and I believe the Braves are going to have their world championship ring ceremony there on the ninth. Um, I think on that Saturday, maybe check me on that. Um, but Mike, where, where should we start with 2022? Do you want to look back at, at where this re- went wrong? As far as the lockout goes, 99 days, um, there was a labor dispute, I guess I should call it. You want to start there? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think that anything necessarily went wrong other than they just – both sides played each other too heavily. I think that both sides knew that there was going to be an agreement. There was going to be, if not an entire 2022 season, the vast majority of the 2022 season – it was just a matter of which side was going to budge first. And I think that it's just kind of how uh, uh, history goes. The last big CBA agreement, everybody a couple years out was uh, uh, almost unanimous saying that the owners got the best of it. And the last few years have been the Players Association harboring up some uh, bad feelings about all that, gathering up their lawyers, picking their fights, choosing what they wanted to do and it got ugly for about a month. But I think that when all this dust settles, people are going to say that the players got the better end of it. Uh, you know, you can argue at this point now that it used to be uh, back in the day in the nineties, you had guys who were barely making a million dollars and owners that might be worth a billion. Now everybody's worth 10 times as much. So I really don't see where the public has a side in it. You can't really aspire to any of those heights, whether right. it's on the player's side or the owner's side, but they got their shit done. They they figured it out. We're going to have a season. And in the end, that's all the, the the mass public really wanted is to see baseball. Right. I don't think – I don't. yeah, I agree with you. I don't think baseball fans give a fuck who won or lost yeah, this it. disagreement. They don't give a shit. You know? And so I think, like, one thing back when the the best player in the league made 800,000, now, like, that's almost minimum wage. So who gives a shit? I just want to see baseball. And we will get baseball after all, Mikey. I'm fucking pumped, dude. I was starting to think about, like, what am I going to do with my life during the spring without baseball? Thank God uh, the listeners and and my friends and family don't have to deal with with Travis without baseball because that's an ugly sight. It's a sad sight. For sure. Um, well, dude, let's start with what's going to be changed in 2022. The universal DH, like for me, I've been clamoring for this forever. Um, maybe not the universal DH, but just equal on both sides in both leagues. And my main sticking point was that players are 
essentially at one point or time in their career, at one point in time in their careers are essentially relegated to only being able to be signed by American league teams. So guys that are getting older have the ability to play DH uh, in the American league. And so national league teams just were not a factor at all in their signings. And now it opens up the, like the entire league to, you know, to DHs. And I think, you know, even with the Braves, like Jorge Soler, his market becomes now readily available for the National League, whereas before you thought probably he was going to go to an AL club because, you know, his defense isn't that great. Another guy, Nick Castellanos, becomes like definitely, definitely a, a guy that will be sought after for National League teams. Um, what, what do you think about the DH? Yeah, uh, I, I think that uh, when you get into, especially when you look at the collective bargaining agreements, all the negotiations, that, that had to be a huge sticking point because for American League teams, what do they care? They already have the uh, uh, designated hitter. And for the NL teams, you know, that's another that's another roster spot that you can't just have at the minimum wage, whether it's the old $570,000 or what it's going up to, what I hear is upwards of 700000 Either way, that doesn't matter. If you have to have a D8 on your squad – in 162 games, two games a season, that's going to be a five, six, seven million dollar guy, not a minimum wage guy. So I think that you know when you look at the universal DH, it's going to open up. I guess you would say 15 new spots for high value, uh, high money people in the National League. Um, you know, you look at a team like the Braves; they were loaded up perfectly last year. They had versatile guys that could play anywhere that could do damage at the plate that also could just wait their turn and sit on the bench and be called upon to take their swings whenever they would love to have that same group. I know that uh, they're going to have to shift some stuff around to any world champion or even a last place finisher. They're not going to have the same roster from one year to the next. Uh, I, I would say that if you were a Braves fan, maybe this is one year too late. You would love to have that, uh, DH with the roster they have for the last two months of 2021. Um, granted, they can probably find about the same firepower this year, but either way, looking across the landscape, especially in the National League, that's what I think uh, is going to be the most intriguing thing is over the next couple of weeks, seeing the fire sales that go on for the free agents that are out there to see what a uh, big six can sign on for much more money now that there's a national league market for Yeah. And look, we're recording this, uh, you know, eight 30 Thursday night. So who knows how the free agency will, will play out, but I mean, there's a bunch of big names out there, Mike. And I guess I'll, I'll list off a few and we can just bounce around if you want and just maybe talk about these guys and what, you, what we think their market might be or. or well, what we think speculation. Yeah. Go for it. <laughs> um, all right. No specific order here. Carlos Correa, Chris Bryant, Freddie Freeman, Trevor Story, Anthony Rizzo, Nick Cassianos, Clayton Kershaw, Kenley Jansen, Michael Conforto. Um, so, look, I don't want to talk about all these guys. We're definitely going to talk Freddie Freeman, but let's not start there. Um, Trevor Story versus Carlos Correa. Mike, who are you giving your money to if you had to give your money to one? Um, I don't it's Correa. I'll just say off the top for me. It's definitely Carlos Correa. Like I, I don't know that I want to put the house into either one, but for me, yeah, it's I don't, I don't have the files in front of me, but 
Um, for middle infielders, both of whom can play some defense, both who have above average offensive output for their respective positions, you got to go with youth. And Correa, I think, is a good year or two younger than Sori. Am I wrong? Don't want to put you on the spot. No, I think no, I think you're right. Like it's definitely, I think it's definitely he's definitely younger. I don't know. Like you have to go because either one can shift to a third base or maybe even a corner outfield spot. But you know, you really want to have the prime bat at a prime defensive position while both can play prime defense. That's what you have right now, and I think the Correa's got probably just by looking at the body build a, a few more years of defensive ability out in front of them. Yeah, and Trevor's story, like, you know, anytime a guy's leaving from Colorado to go out into the open market, there's just always that question of of how impactful Coors Field was on the numbers. Like, I think Trevor's story is, you know, a great player, but there's always that question as to how much of a factor that is, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, when you get to bat in a funhouse for your entire first five, six, seven years of your career, yeah, always fun. Let's talk about Coach's Corner for a second. Coach's Corner in Savannah is the number one sports bar in the 912. We're the number one sports podcast, and they're the number one sports bar, so it's a perfect match. Visit them online at coaches.net or 3016 East Victory Drive. Also find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Make sure when you go, you tell them the Hot Grits podcast sent you. All right, so besides Correa and Trevor's story, I think – look, wait, let's just get to Freddie Freeman. Let's get to the elephant in the room. What do you think? Man, if you would have asked me, and I'm pretty sure you did, you know, back when all this was going on in the playoffs a few months ago, I would have said that he was almost 90% to come back to the Braves. But everything that we've heard or haven't heard, uh, maybe more significantly over the last couple of months – there just doesn't seem to be a whole lot of pushback from the Braves to uh, meet the number. And, you know, that that was always going to be what the deal was, is Freddie was going to have to take less money if he wanted to stay in Atlanta. But I thought it would be a comparable amount, not too, you know, too much of a, uh, a concession. But I haven't heard a concise number, and it seems like there are any number of teams that are willing to uh, – go well above and beyond whatever Liberty Media is going to offer Freddie to stay in Atlanta. And I just, I, I mean, you know me, I'm a Phillies fan. I would love to see the Braves dynasty broken up, especially now that they're on top of the world. Um, then again, I like Freddie. I like the Braves. I like them as a team. Uh, they're, they're a great team, but I just don't see or haven't heard anything that makes me think that they're going to make a competitive offer to bring him back. Yeah, like I don't know, I don't know that many Braves fans want to even like entertain the idea of Freeman not coming back. But I, I have started to at least understand where they're coming from. Like, it, it's not a dumb thing to do. He's by all accounts passes what you could conceivably think to be a. You mean surprise. it's not dumb to it's not dumb to let him walk? Yeah, I mean, if if you had to go by the Bill James playbook, you let him walk. Of now, course. I'm a fan just like you are. I'd want to see him stay. And if there was a, a number somewhere in the middle where you could pay just a little bit more to keep him around, maybe you do. But 
I, I just think there are too many teams willing to pay way too much where the Braves are sticking their guns saying we've got way too much talent that we're paying not a lot of money to, and we could allocate any dollars we don't pay to Freddie to somebody else and keep this thing moving, keep the uh, pennants coming. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, I think there's a lot of sides to this, but where I start is that, like, if you're thinking that the Braves are unwilling to give Freddie Freeman the sixth year and therefore they're one, they're only one year off, that's not accurate. When the Braves are offering a fifth, a five-year deal, in their minds, they're already giving him an extra year. The yeah. fifth year is the extra year. And so taking it to six years when you're already paying him more per year than the market dictates, you know, he would be the highest paid if he got what he wanted. Like there are concessions that the Braves made simply by offering him a five-year deal. And so to go to six years, like that's, that's a heavy, heavy price. And it may end up fucking you with other players in the future, namely Dansby Swanson, who you like, is not the same price as Freeman, but if Freeman gets signed, all of a sudden, Dansby Swanson after 2022 comes up for free agency. That's probably a non-starter if you've already signed Freeman. Like, that's probably not going to happen. And so Braves fans a year from now might be upset. Why don't we re-sign Swanson? He's a, he's a homegrown guy. We, we won a World Series with him. And it's well because we gave Freddie Freeman six years. That's why. I mean, you know that's... I mean? And so it's hard to kind of, like, picture that. But Max Fried's not on a long-term deal yet. He's up in two years. Like those yep. kind of things are being weighed by the Braves front office, you know? That, that is the downside of building a juggernaut that the Braves have built. Over the last couple of years, you can easily argue that they could be a three-time defending World Series champ. It just so happens it didn't happen until last season. But the bad news is that a lot of those guys that were good enough to win it in each of the last three years, that's one more year of service time for each of those uh uh, uh, years you take off there, so they get more and more expensive. And you know, you said it if you bring back Freddie this year, that's almost a guarantee that Dansby won't be there after next year. Uh, you know, if you sign Freed to a big money contract, then you're gonna have to say goodbye to another prospect that's uh, that's in the rotation. That's just how it goes. I mean, you know, take it from me, I was a Phillies fan, they had their uh, huge run where. Utley and Rollins and Howard and Hamels were just running it, but they kept giving them bigger and longer contracts. And when everything finally hit the crescendo, you know, it was fun for a while. But after that, it got real expensive uh, real quick. And, you know, once you go over the uh, top of the hill, those diminishing returns, they, they pile up real quick to yeah, and it's a lot – look, it's a lot to weigh. And so I guess I want to settle on this. If if Freddie Freeman isn't signed by the Braves, I will neither blame Freddie Freeman or the Braves organization. But I have a feeling that – Yeah, the, it's a business well, decision at this point. But, Mike, the larger majority of the Braves fan base is not going to think like that. And I wonder if if he walks and gets a deal that is unquestionably bigger somewhere else – Okay, like let's let's call it the Dodgers or the Yankees, like one of the big market, you know, evil empire teams. Red Sox. Where where do you think? I don't think the Red Sox are signing Freeman. I don't White think oh, White Sox, yeah. Or look, the White Sox too. But the point is, if he signs for more money than the Braves offered and gets that six year deal somewhere else, 
Where do you think the Braves fans' um, like frustration will be uh, sent to? Like, will it will Braves fans really be only mad at Alex Anthopoulos? They're not even going to consider like wondering, "Hey, Freddie, like I thought you wanted to be here. I thought you loved being here. Like, will any Braves fans be mad at Freeman? Because like I'm not going to be mad at either one, but there is room to say, look, the Braves offered you a deal to stay. You could have right. stayed." Um, and so I don't know, like, I don't want to just assume that all Braves fans will, will blame this on Alex Anthopoulos, but, but I'm betting that they will. Yeah, I get what you're saying and I appreciate it. And I would say that Freddie and the Braves did themselves and the fans the biggest favor they could have possibly done by winning it all last year, because otherwise you would have those questions forever. You would have the same question if the Braves would have come up short, either not winning the World Series or not making it to the World Series, you would have been in the same exact spot right now as far as do you pay Freddie beyond his prime years? Do I don't know, him? Mike. I don't know. I, I think if they didn't win the World Series that he'd be a Brave right now. Well, maybe, but I'm just saying that maybe it's for the best if they did win it. That way you let the fans have what they have. They got their they got their championship. They got it with their homegrown franchise guy. And even if there are some hard feelings for some of the diehard fans, at least you you know you had twenty twenty one. You always have twenty twenty one. So he can go and do what he does, and you're gonna keep being a fan. And you know what? If by all metrics he should go down in production, and somebody else is paying him twenty million dollars a year to act like a 31, 32, 33, 34-year-old should act, Braves fans are going to be glad that they're not the ones paying them for it. Yeah, I, look, I agree 100% with that. Um, so I think, like, I do think that the, the Braves are, I think Freddie Freeman will have signed somewhere uh, by the time, either by the time this episode comes out or by the time Spencer and I record again after the weekend. Um, yeah, if, if anybody is thinking that Freddie Freeman does not have five offers right now, just because this is a dark period where nobody can talk to Freddie Freeman, you are kidding yourself if you think that there aren't a multitude of teams that have been talking to Freddie Freeman right now. Right. Yeah, and like he, I'm sure all that's on his table tonight as we record. Like he's probably weighing those options. I mean, the teams that have been that have expressed interest, it's a long list. But it does sound like, you know, that trio, White Sox, Dodgers, Yankees, and then the Braves, obviously, there has been rumors about the Rays. Um, I heard Rays too, yeah. Yeah, the Rays sounds like – the Rays and Dodgers sounds like might be like a one-year deal worth like more than any one-year deal ever, uh, like along the Scherzer lines, you know, like maybe something like 30, 35 million for yeah, one year. The Dodgers and the Giants have both floated that to other people in the last couple of years, just saying to hell with the seven-year contract. Here's $60 million for one year. So, yeah, I wouldn't put that out of uh, the realm of possibility, especially for the West Coast teams. Um, what's what's kind of surprising to me, Mike, about this about all the free agents left available, is, and we just rattled some off, they're almost all hitters. The, the only starting pitcher that's I think is like still readily available and, and that's a bona fide Hall of Famer is Clayton Kershaw on the market. Um, doesn't it seem like he's sort of been under the radar given all this Freddie Freeman stuff? 
Like Clayton Kershaw is Clayton Kershaw, bro, and he's a free agent right now. And, and it's gonna be weird. I would hate to be Clayton Kershaw right now because when his contract comes up, all the people that are bidding for it, uh, you know, he's gonna command a big number because he's probably gonna waltz into uh, Cooperstown on his first try. But that said, the last two or three years, there's any number of really uh, uh, disconcerting stats and facts that you can throw out there to make him not that appealing. So that's going to be really interesting to see what kind of deal he gets. I would think that he might be a candidate for uh, a team that thinks they have it all together. They need one more guy. They need one good year out of them. And maybe they can coax it out of Kershaw by saying, here's all the money in the world. I don't know that Kershaw has five more good years in him. But maybe if that number's right, you can get one more good year out of a team that's already set up for him to be, you know, the number three, number four guy. Right. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. All right. Well, um, anything else for 2022, Mike? I wanted to hit on um, two more things. I want to hit on the the 2023 Major League Baseball rule changes because those are a lot more significant. Um, and then also you touched on Hall of Fame, Cooperstown. Uh, you and I haven't spoken, uh, at least on Hot Grits, uh, since the Hall of Fame induction ceremony from this past year and the Bonds and Bonds and Clemens being left off of, you know, in their final in their final go round. So I want to touch on that, too. Um, you want to start with the 2023 changes and then we'll hit the Hall of Fame? Well, 2023, what, we got bigger bases now? So you have the expanded bases from 15 inches to 18 inches. And look, ha, 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 that's easy to laugh about. Like, it's not, oh, we're expanding the size of the bases. But there are some practical things that that will change. And I think it's at least worth discussing. But the shift in 2023 uh, is obviously huge. Like, only having two guys on either side of second base uh, before the pitch is a big, big change. Um, And then... Uh, let's see the expanded playoffs as well. Um, so yeah, the bigger bases. I know you, you don't think it's that big of a deal, do you? I, I don't think it is. I mean, it, it also depends on exactly where they center it. I mean, is the front edge of first base still going to be exactly 90 feet away? Because that's one thing that baseball got inherently right about 150 years ago. Ooh, and good I mean, point. Good point. You know, for 150 years, that's been the exact right amount of space for a guy on one side of the diamond to throw it across and have it be a bang-bang play. So I I think as long as they can square off all of that, you know, a bigger base might be a little bit safer. I'm all for safety. But, you know, they've gotten the timing and the spacing right. So don't mess with that so long as uh, you aren't putting people's uh, safety in jeopardy. Um, yeah, for me on the bigger bases, I think, it, it, look, I think there's, when they made the instant replay in the tag rule where you could keep the tag on the guy, um, and then he's barely comes off the base and the tag's still on him and he's out, I, even though yeah. every person just saw this man just stole the base yep. and then by a little technicality. And so yep. that was an unexpected change. Hopefully that's figured out. Like if you have three more inches to steal a base, uh, you know, you're probably going to be able to stay on the base. You would think it would benefit um, the fielder in terms of this guy doesn't have to watch his feet as much from getting spiked. And then it, it, it helps the base runner because now you don't have to have a little tiny bag to barely be able to hold on to 
Um, and look, I'm all for whatever we can do to increase the number of stolen base attempts. I want to do because we've got it's gotten so far away from that um, that it's almost in danger of becoming extinct. That part of baseball, and I don't want the stolen base, Mike, to become like the sacrifice bunt. Yeah, I don't just, know that a lot of people did, care about did, that. Did, did you see? Did you see the? Uh... The clip making the rounds on social media today of the guy from Ole Miss. No. Well, he uh, he was a speedster. There was a lefty on the mound, tried a hanging leg pickoff and caught him, and the guy just took off for second, stole it. Like the guy just got there too quick for uh, the the defense to uh, to adjust to. But then because of a shift and how everybody adjusted to the uh, the pickoff attempt. He just took third because nobody was there. And then he took home because I'm nobody was there either. I'm the watching it right team. now. This is great. This is the great. Only you could possibly score it because there were no wild throws. There was no mishandling of the baseball. The only way you can possibly score it is a non-action play with three stolen bases. <laughs> That's so good. Uh, Ole Miss on Wednesday night versus – Mighty Alcorn State. Unfortunately, Alcorn State Steve lost McNair. that game. What'd you say? The fighting Steve McNairs. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I'll rest in peace, Steve McNair. Uh, Alcorn State, a robust 0-8 now after that. That's probably going to be true anytime that you give up three stolen bases on one play. You're probably going to be 0-8 at that point. But, yeah, I mean, there's just – there's nothing – there's nothing they could do. They just didn't have anyone is. <laughs> Yeah, that one's getting bookmarked. That one's getting bookmarked on Twitter. Um, all right, let me ask you this, Mike. What about the pitch clock? What do you think about the pitch clock coming in 2023? Um, it sounds like it'll be 14 seconds between pitches uh, when there's nobody on base. And I'm going 19- to give, give it a big meh. Nobody's ever been called on a pitch clock before. As long as people keep it moving in the spirit of keeping up with time, nothing's going to happen. Yeah, I want it to be like I want the pitch clock, the pitch clock to be instituted if it helps speed up the game a little bit, but I don't want to ever I don't want to ever like think about the pitch clock. I don't want to ever see it or like I don't want it to be in the bottom corner of the screen on TV like when I'm viewing the baseball game, but I do like there are guys who are just unwatchable cuz they take yeah. so damn long between pitches, especially when there's nobody on. Like I think about um like Matt Barnes the reliever for the Red Sox, Matty Backpacks, uh, he, he has been notorious for taking 30 seconds between pitches. So that needs to end. Like That's just sort of something that has come along in recent times. So I'm glad that that's happening. Um, I, but just generally on all of these new rules, Mike, I think for me, it it's nice that we're seeing that baseball is capable of changing rules, even though it comes at like an archaic pace, like it comes at a really slow pace. We are seeing at least some adaptation and some changes from baseball. And the so thing is, that those changes aren't even going to come rapidly because think of how many rules are on the book right now that have been on the book for half a century that don't get enforced. You know, there are things that could move the game along, but if you, you know, kind of like with the pitch clock, I know how it's going to go. If you've got a guy who just has a routine that he sticks to, 
there's not an umpire that's going to force him out of it. It's going to be stick to your thing, do your thing, and that's fine. Just don't get outside of the uh, uh, baseline you've established. That's kind of how baseball's going for the last hundred years. So it, it really takes something monumental to break through that and have an umpire go, no, you actually can't do that at all. Yeah, no doubt. Um, all right, well, Mike, let's wrap up. Uh, I want to give you a chance because I, I don't know if we see eye to eye on this. Maybe we do. I, don't, I can't remember off the top of my head your takes on this. Um, I thought that Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens were not going to get in the Hall of Fame. They did not. Um, but I thought that they both should have been in the Hall of Fame. My whole thing with this has always been if you want to make Bonds and Clemens and these guys wait because they probably cheated the game or, or look, they did cheat. Um, that's, that's fine, but you can punish a guy without punishing him forever. And that's essentially what they've done now to Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. There's no going back unless they get in through the veterans committee another way, like putting Bonds in, in the 10th year of his ballot, I think would have been the right move. Make them wait, make them wait 10 years and make them sweat it out. Make it be a conversation amongst Americans for 10 years and then put them in so you can wipe your hands of it. Uh, they didn't do that. Did you have any takes coming out of that? Uh, were, I, I guess you weren't surprised. Were you disappointed? No, I wasn't disappointed at all. If I had a vote, I wouldn't have voted for either of them. Um, I would take what you just uh, threw out there, and I would say let's take it a step farther. Um, you know, I like baseball as much as you. The things that those guys accomplished – whether steroid added or abled or not, were incredible, and they deserve to be immortalized for all time. And uh, that's why I say that anybody who's under that steroid cloud umbrella, you know, if their accomplishments are good enough to go in the Hall of Fame, that's fine. So let's start their clock after they die. Because it's all an ego thing. And we can take that all the way back to Pete Rose. I've said it for 20 years now. If I ever got named the uh, MLB commissioner, I would call Pete Rose into my office and say, good news, man, you're going to go in the Hall of Fame. And when he gets really cheery about it, I'd say, yep, it's going to be the day after they bury you in the ground. Because he's such an egomaniacal prick that that's all he wants to do is see his face on a flag, enshrined, and rub it in everyone's face. And I say no. Your, your accomplishments deserve to be there. You don't. Eh, I don't know. I've just always been wary of judging a man off of anything besides the back of the baseball card. Who are they? Who are the well, baseball cards? Other than the back of a bunch of baseball cards. Well, P. Rose has the most hits of all. Like he's a which first ballot why, of famer. Which is why all of his hits should be in Cooperstown. But his stupid face shouldn't. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't like that at all. Like, I, the, the Hall of Fame will never be complete until the all-time hits leader and the all-time home run le- leader are in it. Otherwise, it's, it's a Hall of Fame almost. It's almost I'm complete. I'm all for recognition of the most home runs and the most hits ever to be in the Hall of Fame. I think Barry Bonds and Pete Rose should both be in the Hall of Fame, though. And I think we disagree on that. I'm all for the records for the most home runs and the most hits. <laughs> you just don't want the people being in there. 
Uh, well, they can be in there after they're dead in the ground because that's all they want is to see their fat faces on a on a plank. Don't they deserve? Don't they deserve to see their no. fat faces in there? No. Why? Why? Never broke the most fundamental rule there is. The most fundamental rule is like saying an athlete into you cannot bet on baseball. Doesn't I, matter. I know, I know, but haven't they punished like the punishment should fit the crime? Haven't they punished him enough? Surely, surely Alex Rodriguez cheated the game more than Pete Rose cheated the game. Don't you agree? Uh, you cheated the game. That's the one line there is to cross. It's not a it's not a matter Alex of, Rodriguez is on MLB's number one broadcast. It's that you did. But 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 Rodriguez is on the MLB's broadcast all over the place on Fox, on ESPN now. He's everywhere I mean, and he hasn't been banned from the game. Pete Rose was shunned. For something that he did off the field, Alex Rodriguez cheated the game between the lines. Yeah, he's got a great PR team. They got him way back into uh, the good side of uh, public perception. That doesn't mean I, that I forgive him, but I'm just saying that's how it is. I hear you. I could go all day about the Hall of Fame, Mikey. <laughs> and I try to act like I don't care, too. Like, oh, I don't care about the Hall of Fame. And, and all it does is consume me every year when it comes up. So they got me by the hook. Um, all right, well, yo, let's wrap up, Mike. Anything else? Uh, um, let's see. I don't know how my team is going to look. They've got a bunch of holes to fill. I don't know how the NL East is going to look. Uh, yeah, who knows, man? I mean, Freeman's kind of a 50-50, you got to think at this point. But the Braves have plenty of options. They're still going to be a good team. Yeah, I think, the, like, once again, the Mets are probably going to be – pick to finish real high in that division and it, like they'll probably mess it up but on paper I mean they gotta have one of the best rosters right they just get hurt all the time yeah yeah. Like, right. I, I preemptively feel bad for Max Scherzer's right arm I don't feel bad for Max Scherzer at all not with the way he handled this whole lockout or the whole See, we can go to a whole other chapter about that on how half the players who are quote unquote speaking for the players weren't speaking for anyone other than their agents. Yeah, Scott Boris. <laughs> I know Scott Boris is high up on your on your public enemy list. He's just not a good guy. He's a bad person. Yeah, I think that's objectively true. He's probably I think it's clear he's a great agent, which oh, yeah. may which may mean that you have to be a bad person. Yeah, absolutely. But that also, you know, if if there's any one person you can point a finger to as to why spring training and or the regular season isn't starting on time, it's Scott Boris. Yeah, and he probably couldn't couldn't care less. There are some owners that are dipshits, but there is not one person that holds enough influential people in his back pocket as Scott Boris. <laughs> I think I agree with you on that one. Uh, Mike, how do they find you online? How do they find your stuff on Twitter? How do they read you? Uh, you can find me at, uh, let's see, what are we going by these days? Uh, S-H, uh, uh, G-S, uh, oh, God. <laughs> I had to reference myself. <laughs> That's so uh, weird. <laughs> 
You can go to uh, the best Mike A. That's me on Twitter. Hell yeah. Find him there. Uh, we're going to have you back on, Mike, to, to preview the season. We'll do our predictions, um, which did not go too well last year. I think we each had a couple of things that we picked right, but way more things that we picked wrong. Um, so yeah. we'll do that once players start re-signing and everything. I was feeling really good about the White Sox for most of the year, and then they just kind of went. All right, Wade. Thanks, man. Have a good one.